live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York's Times Square. This is Fast Money. I'm Brian Sullivan. And again for Melissa, your traders around the desk tonight are Tim Seymour, Jeff Mills, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, stop us if you've heard this before. The market's another round of all-time highs, but stop. Not every, but not every stock is taking part in the record rally. We've got some names that focus around the consumer and maybe dying to play catch-up. Maybe ways for you to make money. Plus, you'll hear exclusively from the CEO of BNP Paribas USA. You think that environmentally conscious investing is just a marketing fad? Think again. How about tying how much money you owe on debt to how environmental you are? It is happening with big companies, and we'll talk about it later on. We're about to kick off a big week for earnings, Netflix, Intel, many more. We're going to break down how the options market is setting you up for that week ahead. All right, happy Friday, everybody. We're going to start, though, with today's big number, and it was a big number. Housing starts surging 16.9% last month. That is the best monthly print in more than a decade. The news sending the home construction ETF, the ITV, to its highest level in more than 18 years. Guy Adami, yes, if you build it, will they come? Well, Ray Kinsella notwithstanding, Tim. Yes. Yes, you follow me, right? Thank you. Yeah, because well, that was. Well, I'm here. All right, Ray Dan is. A, look, it's totally nine seconds in the show, and Dan's already done. We already Ray tuned out. You got a little shoeless Joe to you, you know. With I mean? that said, I mean, yes, the housing numbers have been great. There's no denying that. How do you play the housing numbers? And this is something we've said for a while since before Mr. Buffett had a stake in this company. Restoration Hardware. It's been on a tear. It has pulled back recently. Look at two different things. One, Mr. Buffett's in the name. Two, valuation isn't ridiculous. This trades at 16 times next year's numbers. You'd think it'd be a lot more, and I'll give you a bonus. Merchandise inventories last quarter were down 24% on very strong sales growth. You know what that means, Brian? What, guy? It means their margin is going to be even better next quarter. So RH, in my opinion, is the way you play this. Well, I, I, I think it's Home Depot, and I think it's the home improvement stores, because while people are building new homes, the real trade is the fact that most people can't afford new homes, and most people are actually staying in their home. Uh, interest rates are going to at least stay reasonably low on a relative basis and people have jobs. The easiest thing to do is actually uh, fix up your house. I think when you're talking about Home Depot, and I did a guy a power pitch on this a few weeks ago, ultimately I think this is a stock that has a lot of sober news. A, an outlook from Investor Day that really talked about margin pressure, talked about shrinkage in their inventory, uh, some things that the management team, uh, despite making major investments in innovations in technology, you know, people are waiting for the next move. It's a stock that after outperforming the S&P by three times over the last uh, decade, it's actually been something that's really kind of lagged. Uh, I like Home Depot here. I think it's one of the great management teams out there. And that, to me, is the best exposure to the housing. OK, market. two more things. I, I said if you build it, they'll come, Jeff, for a reason, because just because people are building homes doesn't mean they're going to have a buyer. And, and you do wonder if the home builders could be exposed here a little bit if they're building all these homes, getting a little rationally exuberant yeah. in the housing market. To Tim's point, you got $5,000 in the bank. You know, it's harder to get a loan. I'm just wondering yeah, if yeah. the home builders could be – it's not all good news for the home builders. Well, I, I don't, th I, I don't I know. I think you can play the number via the home builders. You know, they were overbought. They consolidated for about three months. So I think as a sector, they still look okay. But to your point, one of the things that I think can still be a tailwind is affordability. So if you look at the average home price relative to disposable income, that continues to get better and looks good for the home builders. But one of the things is all of that demand has been concentrated at the lower end. So when I'm thinking about names that I would want to play in that area, I think – Think about a DR Horton, for example, where they've shifted their product mix 
to a little bit to the lower end. So I think looking in that area, um, you know, you, you could play the actual home builders for a company that's focused in an area where the demand actually is. Right. So if you see that the, the home sales data, to your point, you know, it's one thing to be built, but the sales is important. So if you see that as a trend that keeps going in 2020, I suspect, you know, this is a name that obviously was put in the penalty box a long time ago, Wells Fargo. You saw those results this week. At some point, this one, you know, new CEO, a lot of people are saying they kitchen sink the quarter. It was down, what, 5% um, on Tuesday. This could be one that maybe you would want to play for um, just kind of a bounce, you know, like this thing went from 54 down to 48 in the last month or so. Um, you know, You're saying a, basically it's a mortgage play here. Of course. Yeah. You but know what's interesting is who has not participated. Guy Adami, when you buy a house, mm. what do you put in that house? Uh, furniture. Correct. Yeah, Ethan Allen and Lazy Children. Boy. Their stocks are both down in the last six months. But that's been, I mean, that's been a trend for both those stocks for the last so decade. So you got people walking around in homes with no furniture. I mean, that's just more an indictment on no, uh, you know, I'm not looking to cast aspersions on the Lazy Boy crowd, but it's, it's been a bad By the way, best name company in America. Lazy Boy. They got the, they're the only with guts. That's, but, you know, which brings back to Restoration Hardware. They're winners and they're losers, and Lazy Boy has been a loser, and Restoration Hardware has been a winner, and I think it will continue to be, Brian. Yeah, and, and so getting into, into that theme, how about, how about Sherwin-Williams, which I think has been also very much tethered to the housing market. Uh, Williams-Sonoma, which is, you know, kind of like Restoration Hardware, at one point was getting torpedoed until these guys went more digital, got into loyalty, uh, learned to manage their inventory. And this has been one of the great plays, you know, roughly uh, 18 times next year. Doesn't look terribly expensive. But hold on. Oh, but wait, wait, I just, no, got, no, I just no. got like a stay in your lane. Dude, no, but, but, wait, but wait, the whole panel right here, we're not just saying that this one piece of housing data means that there's like well, another exactly leg here. Is that what we're doing here? Because it no, sounds no, like we're getting all pulled up on housing right here. It's a housing trend. I don't think anybody's saying go out and buy everything, but we're talking about. Well, we just kind of went around the horde and said buy everything related housing. And Fast Money is right to focus on a number today that was such an outlier in terms of its strength. This is the best number we've seen in over a decade. In fact, I think the point you might be making is that at a time when Markets look crazy frothy. Yeah. This is the kind of a number that gets you back closer to the go-go days of the housing market where both of these things were harbingers of some bad stuff to come. How am I doing? Dan, to your point, too, think about permits. And permits missed pretty substantially today. And yeah. this can be a volatile data set. So think about the next couple of months. You might have a little bit of a give back on the housing starts. Yeah, and, I'm, and my, my question was, I think, to your point also, which is just just because they're building homes, Maybe it doesn't mean it's a great economy. We don't know if these homes are going to sit empty, well, listen, if they're going to be sold. It may be a yeah, net negative sorry. down the road. Here's a little Absolutely. news flash. It's not a great economy. The Q4 GDP is tracking below 2%. What did we have in 2019? We had three rate cuts, and we had the Fed expand their balance sheet by four, $500 billion. So if that's what it takes to get a housing number like this, 12 years after the biggest financial crisis in 100 years, I'm not so certain we want to look at a number like that and say, all right, get all in there. You know, I, I mean, that's kind okay. of my point. And one small point here, it, it, as much as that was a crazy number to the upside, um, housing starts in terms of their average over the last 20 years are still below Way the 20-year average. So the fact that we're catching up, I think, is encouraging. But I think we're all saying there are structural issues within the industry, and this could be uh, yeah. more related to that. Yeah, we should have looked at Avalon Bay or whatever, because multifamily was up, I think, 30% or something like this. Anyway, from building your house to something we kind of just talked about, filling it up. Consumer staples have been on fire. The sector hitting another all-time high today. But if you're afraid that you maybe missed out on the record rally, fear not, because the chart master Carterworth is one name you might want to put into your pantry. He's over at the plasma. So, two lines, as is often the case when we get going, and what we have is the market, one line, and we've got a sector within the market, the other line, right? You've got consumer staples, XLP, 
papers, SPY, one year, and they're sort of even money. And um, while we say they're even money, of course, you can see the characteristics of the blue line, less drawdowns. So on a risk-adjusted basis, actually, stables blows away the market, right? Less drawdowns, better uh, risk-adjusted or beta-adjusted return. But what we would expect, if you pull it back a little further, is that, of course, staples have underperformed on a longer period because in a bull phase, uh, safety names don't perform as well. And you start to see that here since 15, 40 percent versus 80 um, and so forth. Even further, this is the past 10 years. Now, I want to look at a name that's lagged that yet is one of the greatest stocks of all time, uh, both things at the same time. So here are the two lines again over the past year, staples in the market. And here's Hormel Foods, right? That's spam, among other things. Uh, and what we have here is a big laggard. But I want to show you something. Now watch what happens. Hormel, spam, since 2010, has blown away not only other staples like Coke and Pepsi, but has blown away the market. In fact, if I pull this back for a really long-term period, this is one of the best-performing stocks of all time. So you have a great champion that is yet on a short-term basis, underperforming substantially. And I think that's the opportunity. Here, then, is the chart. So many ways to draw the lines, but certainly we can call it that. Certainly you can see the head and shoulders, the wedge, that, that, that. It all lines point to this. Hormel, a great winner that's uh, underperforming of late and has catch-up potential. All right, Carter Worth looking at Hormel. Carter, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Of course, it's not just Hormel. Take a look at some of these other staples names that you might be missing out on in the recent rally. So take your position. Tim, any of these you think could be a, a decent catch-up a trade, a Kroger, a Smuckers? I think they will be. I think Heinz Kraft I still don't really have a whole lot of interest in because of the financial engineering that looks like it was maybe financial mumbo-jumbo. I, I, but I, I think um, what Carter pointed out in terms of consumer staples is they've actually kept pace and it's been a better risk-adjusted return. Uh, since August, though, they've actually underperformed the S&P by 8% as we've gone into this nitro move for the market. So I do think you're setting up for this laggard trade. I think ultimately these, these will outperform again. And if I look at Walgreens, I think that's a case where, again, people made a bigger deal about the pharma, uh, the insurance, and, and the regulatory headwinds. And, and their core business to me, this is a company that's trading at somewhere near the bottom end of its five-year range on valuations. So that would be my laggard play. Yeah, far be it for me to cast aspersions on one Carter Worth, who will appear in a few minutes on Options Action, one of my favorite But it sounds shows. like you're about to. I am about okay. to. Your second favorite And, show you know, Carter's looking at the chart. He's right. I mean, it is breaking out. But just sort of temper your enthusiasm, folks. I mean, you're talking about Hormel, which has a 6% EPS growth, trading at 24 times next year's earnings, which is ridiculous. And you throw Procter & Gamble in there with 7% EPS growth, trading at the same ridiculous valuation. Yes, these stocks have done well, and they all appear to be breaking out. But what is the, what is the market looking at at this point? concerns me. Yeah, I look at a name like Clorox, too. I mean, trading at 25 times looks like it's rolling over. Probably nothing there. I'll pull out a name that's not on the list, General Mills. I mean, it's 40% below the high there, trading at 15 Jeff times. Jeff Mills so, talking about General Mills. Yeah, I yeah, actually found weird. it. Weird. Yeah, weird. But I, I, I do think that there's potential there. The chart, it actually broke above the 200-day moving average and mm -hmm. has been consolidating for probably about 12 months, and it looks to be holding that long-term average. So I think there's a big catch-up trade there potentially. Okay, watching GIS. By the way, when people yep. come on Fast Money, they get a nickname. You're now the general. Boom, I You're love it. You're now the general. He's the general. He's the general. All right. I like that. We are following a developing story on Best Buy in the after hours. The stock volatile. There have been reports of an investigation into the company's new CEO, Corey Berry who just took the top spot less than a year ago, back in June, and there was an anonymous letter effectively accusing her of having an inappropriate romantic relationship with a former executive. 
Barry releasing a statement a short time ago saying the board has my full cooperation and support as it undertakes this review. I look forward to its resolution in the near term. End quote. Best Buy shares are lower in the after hours. All right, on deck. You're going to hear exclusively from the CEO BMP Paribas America. His thoughts on the record rally and why ESG investing is not just some kind of marketing gimmick. If you're not in that space, you're in trouble. And later on, showtime for Netflix. You could expect from the streaming giant when those numbers come out next week. And you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. Stick around. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. This juggernaut rally just won't stop. More new highs today. The Dow up 50 points, but every new high is a new high. But it's not just here at home. Stocks across the globe are off to a strong start to the year. Shares of BNP Paribas listed in France and here up 23% in the past year. And part of that run may be because of interesting new innovations around environmentally conscious investing. Johnny Filion is the CEO of BNP Paribas Americas, and we're pleased to have him here on Fast Money. Johnny, thanks for joining us. Brian, thank you for having me here. Je vous en prie. Okay, yes, the first thing is, before we get into this uh, ESG investing, because a lot of our viewers are probably skeptical of it, I want to ask you broadly, uh, you do the Americas, South, North America, Mexico, Canada, but you're a global company. How does BNP Paribas see the world, the global economic expansion, and this incredible market run that we've had? Well, very actually positively, our forecast for the U.S. is uh, still quite strong for 2020. 1.5% GDP growth, consumer spending confidence is still there, uh, wages as well. Uh, clearly, the U.S.-China trade phase one is going to lift some uncertainty. Brexit is happening. That's another uncertainty which is being lifted. Uh, having said that, the volatility and uncertainty will be still driven by geopolitical, political, and social tensions. So there's, there's always room for risk. And, of course, what, what you guys at BNP Paribas do so well is derivatives. I mean, you, 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 you create products and innovate. When we hear about ESG, environmental, social governance, Jean-Yves, there's a lot of people that will roll their eyes. They're probably driving home right now doing that. Oh, this is just a marketing gimmick. Is it? Brian, do you know how much... Um, sustainable bonds have been issued since inception, since the very first green bond a few years ago? No idea. A trillion dollars. And in 2020, we will be exceeding the trillion dollars of issuance. If you look at just, this is for the issuer side. If you look at last year on the investment side, U.S. investors allocated over 21 billion in sustainable assets, which was four times more than what they did in 2018 and probably growing exponentially in 2020, then that's 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 a reality. That's that's really the real world. And I spoke with somebody who said that in 30 years on the street, they have never seen a part of the market grow as fast as this. And including it's not just green bonds. You and I were speaking earlier about I guess you had helped a giant Italian company, NL, uh, issue debt. And correct me if I'm wrong, that the interest rate fluctuates Mm -hmm. based on climate goals. Well, you are a fast learner, Brian. This is fast money. This this is fast money. (laughs) This is fast learning here. You described it very well. It's basically a sustainable bond is really providing economic incentive to both sides. If the issuer meets their sustainability metrics, they will get, uh, uh, they will continue to benefit from a lower cost of funding. If they don't, the investor will get an uptick uh, just to make it up for, you know, the metrics not being uh, met, basically. It, but if, uh, no, no go ahead. No, no. Uh, well, if I may, uh, I think this is taking such a critical importance because 
we, we all see what's happening in the world. You know, look at Australia, look at California. What's happening today has uh, a social, economic, and humanitarian impact on, on what we do. And I would say the risk-adjusted return of the world we are looking at, which you do so well every, every day here, is mechanically changing. I'm sure you saw uh, Larry Fink's interview or read his letter. How important, how transformative is something like that for the industry we're talking about right now? Well, we're very much aligned with what actually Larry wrote here. In my case, it's not trying to be prescriptive. It's really, you know, trying to be aligned with what my stakeholders are looking for. Uh, stakeholders, I mean shareholders, but I mean clients, obviously. There is not a meeting with a client I have these days, a corporate institutional where sustainability is not being discussed. But uh, stakeholders to me are, um, are regulators as well. Uh, media, by the way, mm -hmm. you, you are opinion uh, leaders, and this is why it's a privilege to be here. And last but not least, employees. You cannot believe our employees are pushing hard to see their company, including BNP Paribas, being more and more into the world of sustainability. So the biggest institutions and, and obviously uh, the world. Uh, but when we think about the Paris Accord and some issues that I think on the geopolitical side, to what extent do you think there's a massive divide in this country versus the goals of Europe? That's that's what we hear about. That's mm -hmm. even though, again, the biggest institutions can drive. They can walk with their feet. Um, and let's hope they do. Well, it, it's an excellent point. You raise. it shows you have actually a quite international view here. There is there is no question. I would say Europe has been probably at the forefront of it, and you mentioned COP21, and that's, 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 that's very real. Having said that, I can tell you day to day uh, here, uh, uh, the interest from clients uh, in terms of uh, sustainability is, is, is actually very, very vibrant. Just an example. Uh, a few weeks ago, we have a large the CEO of a large uh, U.S. multinational who had some quite intense discussion with a rating agency came to us. We were the first call to say, listen, we might have missed this dimension. Can you help us reallocate our capital raising into more sustainability? Um, so it's more, good. It's good business it's as good, well. It's not just a market. It's good it, for the planet, but it's, it's it's good business. It's good business in terms of if I were to list the series of product solutions, uh, sustainability linked that we have at the bank, we spoke green bonds, but you mentioned sustainability link of financing, recently derivatives. Mm -hmm. On the retail side, uh, including with Bank of the West, we're actually offering uh, in, uh, incentivized loans for solar, for electric cars. Uh, the good business yep. for us, because we actually are number one in sustainable loans in the world, and actually we're top three systematically in green bonds, which obviously is, is, is very critical to the bank. Some good numbers. Johnny Filion, uh, the, the CEO of BNP Paribas Americas, his first appearance on La Vite d'Argent. <laughs> Très vite d'argent. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having no, me. I really appreciate that. Guy Dami, I think that's a fascinating product and why it was so good to have him on. To, to link an interest rate to an outcome is fascinating. It's brilliant. And, you know, it's interesting. This is a gentleman, if this was a U.S. bank, we talk about Jean-Yves every day the way we talk about Jamie Dimon. He's been at Paribas for, I think, 35 years now. But I think it's fascinating. And quickly, we had Halima Croft on. I asked her about ExxonMobil, yep. and she made the comment about exactly what we're talking about. You talk about a stock that has lagged now. Take a look at XOM. Okay, Guy, thank you very much. ESG, by the way, sure to be a big focus at the World Economic Forum in Davos next week. Of course, CNBC will be there, as always, with full coverage. Best in the business. Kicks off Tuesday morning, 5 a.m. Eastern. The can't-miss interview with the CEO of Bank of America, Brian Moynihan. All right, there's a lot more Fast Money coming up. Here's what we've got for you after the break.
Our numbers are still showing demand in the region of 1.2 million barrels a day demand growth uh, for 2020, uh, much lower than what we had previous years. But I think it's still uh, robust. What we see from our side is an upside potential uh, of growth in term from, from the demand side of the uh, equation, uh, which will uh, affect uh, the total balance. All right, that was OPEC Secretary General Mohamed Barkindo's exclusive comments to CNBC just a short time ago. We sat down earlier today for an exclusive in New York City. That full interview, by the way, we talk about political risk, Iran, global supplies, the shale boom, and his role as a peacemaker will be up on CNBC.com very soon. If not already, check it out, please. It is time now to go around the horn for the final trade. We'll start with you, Tim Seymour. Yeah, again, back to Home Depot. This has been a stalwart. I think it's a, one of the best management teams out there. The underperformance is an opportunity. I think the guidance is conservative. I think you can go there. General Mills. Disney Plus was the most downloaded app in America in the fourth quarter by a long the shot. The stock has consolidated for the past two months. I think we're getting close to a level where it starts to again move higher. Uh, yeah, I love Carter's technical work on the staples. I would just wouldn't be buying Proctor for the breakout here, given that valuation, given how far it's come in the last year. Swiffing it right away here. Guy Dami. Sean Eves was a wonderful guest. Great booking by you, Brian. Important Fowler. conversation. Important I'm glad conversation. We had it yep. And Bristol Myers had a tremendous run since the summer. I think there's further room to the upside on the BMY. All right. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Brian. Well, that does it for us in Fast Money.